Well, as Deb mentioned earlier, we are starting a new series called Alongsiders today. And yes, for those English teachers in the room or fanatic grammar fans, that is a made-up word. It doesn't actually exist. You won't find it in your dictionaries. So I thought a good way to start this sermon series was to come up with a definition so that we are all on the same page. The idea is that we can all be alongsiders, that no matter where we are, we can journey alongside our neighbours and our friends and even strangers. Being an alongsider means listening. It means showing hospitality. It means bringing peace and humbly sharing the good news of Jesus. It means praying and seeking the Spirit's leading. It means loving the people that God has put right in front of us in our worlds, as well as loving the whole world. Being an alongsider means sharing God's love in genuine, active and very relevant ways. It means partnering together with others, but also with God. Of that sending and being sent, of giving and receiving as we work together in God's mission. So to start off this series, I'd like us to watch a video together from Baptist Mission Australia, who put together this Alongsiders series. learning about being an alongsider. That's good coach, eh? Yes, <laughs> I am learning all about love as we are preparing to join the team in Cambodia. Yeah. And also right now we live in Brisbane, try to reach out the community, especially our neighbours, friends and family, by sharing Scott's love by listening, learning and understanding people who are joining with us. Loving people is, you know, about loving them now you know, as they are, where they are, not when they pass a test. Yeah, I think we see it all through the scriptures uh, and in our own lives, that God is present, He's active, He, he loves us and through people, through their words and their deeds. But it's not always easy, hey, like, uh, sometimes it can be really, really challenging. So we need to rely on God in all of it, don't we? I'm learning that God gives us many opportunities to share His love. I'm learning to love the person in front of me. I'm learning that prayer is the engine room of mission. I'm learning about prayer, that prayer is critical in this. Following Jesus' example of retreating in prayer yeah, before we step out in vital. Yeah, that truly been my experience. Yeah, mm. And if I feel a bit off or you know, prostrated in my work, yeah, yeah, it's probably because I haven't been, you know, stopping in praying and searching the Spirit. Yeah, I have just been, you know, serving out of my own strength. Yeah, I can really relate to that. One thing I'm learning about is uh, being a person of peace. Both in Central Asia and now that we're back in Australia, I want to be someone who, who brings peace into relationships and into the community in which we live. You know, I want to be a peacemaker who points people to the ultimate peacemaker who is Jesus. Uh, but not only that, we're also praying that, that God would bring into our world, into our, our lives, people of peace. People who are open and will be open to hearing the good news of Jesus. I'm learning that I can be a person of peace right where I am. 
I am learning that we are one body in God's kingdom and that we need to partner with one another. I wouldn't want to miss this. So how much I have learned about the partnerships too. Mm. So as we prepare and connect with the church communities and also the people who are partnering with us, mm. I am reminded again and again we cannot do this alone. We can mm. only do together. Mm. Do together yeah. as that's how God planted it. Completely agree. You know, when we were in Central Asia, uh, we were in a quite isolated place, and so it was that the partnership of people that really kept us going, that sustained us through everything. Um, you know, people's prayers, uh, their financial support, whether it was individuals, families, or churches. We really relied on that to keep going, and God used that to sustain us. And it's the same now that we're in Australia. Yes, it's true. Yeah, it'd be daunting, but I think you know, I'm I'm learning. Yeah, that being in alongside uh, is a long life journey yeah. where you never stop learning. How about we go get a coffee? Yeah, uh, that sounds good. good. How are things going for you guys in your in preparation? So what does it mean for you to be an alongsider in your community? Partner with Baptist Mission Australia as together we share God's love with communities around the world. Pray, give, go, partner. Well, in coming weeks, we're going to highlight our partnerships with our two uh, Baptist Mission Australia partners. But for now, um, we will just stay focusing on uh, the sermon series. Well, I want to start by asking you guys that question that the video put before us. When you think about being an alongsider, which word stands out to you and why? And we'll pop up the slide with... Next slide. Is there another slide? That's okay. We will just start, leave that then and I will get you all to have a think about when you're thinking about being an alongsider, which of the words stand out to you? Love, openness, prayer, hope, patience, partnership, humility, prayer, time and peace. And those will be in uh, the study outline if you want to think more about that. Well, through this five-week series, we're going to explore what it means to be people who partner together in God's mission of sending and being sent. And we're going to focus on five things, not all of those words. It's October outreach, not October quarter of a year. So we're going to do people of prayer. We're going to look at people of peace. We're going to look at being people of love, people who partner, and people of hope. And today we'll explore the first, people of prayer, and why it matters when we're being alongside us. Well, I did have a picture, but you'll just have to imagine. Uh, I have a cat named Mac. He's a little bit grumpy, a little bit older now. He has a little bit of a pot belly. Now, Jordan and I also have two nieces named Zoe and Idy. They're about eight and three years old. And they have one goal when they come over to our place. One main objective, and that is to make the cat love them. Unfortunately, neither of them pause to think about, okay, how would a cat, an old sort of grumpy cat, experience love? Instead, they have their mission in their head, and they run head first, grabbing the cat, chasing the cat, 
kissing the cat, loving the cat, trying to feed the cat snacks. Now, unfortunately, their goal was to make the cat love them. But in reality, the cat is terrified of them. I'm pretty sure the cat has now memorised the sound of their diesel car pulling up and he runs and hides in a wardrobe. The reason that I tell this story is because sometimes when it comes to mission and when it comes to evangelism, I think we can be a little bit like my little nieces. I think we can see a problem that pulls at our heartstrings or we can see a person or a group that we just really want to share the gospel with. And then before we even pause to think or discern, we just run headfirst into problem-solving mode. We run in with our version of love. We just jump in and heap that love on them. And sometimes I'm sure it goes very well. But I think that most of the time when we use this approach, we completely miss the mark. We don't see the bigger picture. And the people that we were trying to serve and love and share the gospel with end up a little bit like Mac the cat, grumpy and hiding from us. Which is why for us to truly be alongsiders, to truly be people who journey and do life with others, sharing Jesus' love in order to share the gospel with them, we must first become people of prayer. When we look at the example of Jesus, the example he sets in the Gospels, what does he do as step one of mission? Well, he retreats. He prays. He retreats to be with the Father in prayer. Well, Dorothy just read for us today from Mark 1, 35 to 39. And it tells us that Jesus went regularly to a solitary place to pray. Jesus' intimacy with God empowered him for his mission. And it's the exact same for us. In the passage, we see Jesus praying first and then stepping out to preach, moving in the power of the Spirit and joining the Father in mission. Because the history of mission is actually a story of prayer. Prayer opens us up to the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer assists us in the integrity of our life and witness. Prayer keeps us humble and it keeps us focused on Jesus. Prayer and retreat are patterns of life that stop us in all of our busyness and all of our good intentions of running headfirst before we've even turned towards God to consult with God. Now, I must admit that this is a place of temptation for me that I can easily fall into. As a pastor and as a pastor who's focused in outreach and mission, I, like many followers of Jesus, am a passionate doer. I love serving, I love doing stuff for Jesus. It's not a bad thing, but it's also not the best thing. It's not the first thing that a person who should be empowered 
by Jesus, of of a life of intentional prayer and retreat with God. The challenge for me, and I think for many of us, is not just to be busy in the doing for God, but to get really back to the being in and with God. If you're a visual person, I like to think of it as I'm floating in a sea of God. I'm just floating and resting in God, letting God wash over me and influence me. Because when we are resting in and with God, God makes us the truest forms of ourselves as we were created to be by him. It's from that place and that identity that good things, God things, flow. Mission is completely incomplete without first praying. Prayer brings us to attention. It points us in the direction of the kingdom opportunities and prayer aligns us with the priorities of God. It brings us to attention of what God wants us to do in our lives and in our community and it gives us the ability to access the utilities of heaven so that we aren't doing it on our own merit or our own shoulders. It's through the strength of God. In prayer, our passions are stoked for God and the gospel. It helps us to achieve personal and communal breakthroughs and victories. Prayer enables us to hear God and discern what he is doing in us and in the world. We see through the Gospels that Jesus is dedicated to prayer and in turn the very first disciples ask him in Luke chapter 1, Lord, teach us to pray like you. Because prayer empowers us for mission, because it changes our hearts and it changes our lives and it helps us become more like Jesus. The second thing is that prayer opens doors for the gospel. I'm going to turn to that second reading from Dorothy. I don't know if we can get it up on the screen. If not, we'll just power on ahead. Now, in that second reading from Colossians, it's at the very, very end of Colossians, and Paul is writing this letter to a people he's never actually met. He didn't set up the church there, and he's in prison at the time. A friend of his and a colleague founded the church there in his hometown. And so he's writing to them to explore what this new humanity in Christ is and how it should reshape their lives. Colossians 4, 2-6, instructs us and them to be devoted to prayer. Our prayers should be watchful and thankful. Being devoted to prayer opens doors for the gospel. And how does it do that? Well, it changes our lives and it changes our communities. Prayer changes our lives so that we can become bolder and humbler and more courageous as the gospel is advanced and proclaimed. I think we saw that this morning from Grant. He said, you know, it wouldn't be just on his own. He prayed and he needed that boldness. Prayer changes our communities because God brings healing, repentance and openness to a gospel. 
Well, these couple of verses in Colossians don't stand alone. They're not just nice little teachings that we can, you know, embroider on a pillow. They're actually sandwiched between two other teachings from Paul. The first is looking at the way that a Roman household functions, that being that the male patriarch wields sort of a power over his wife and over his children and over his slaves or any workers in the house. But Paul instructs that Christian household is different. In a Christian household, the patriarch is no longer Lord. No, that is Jesus. And that reshapes then all of the relationships in that household and it reshapes how the household functions. It's marked now by Christ-like love and respect between its members. The Christian household will look so very different from the households of the Roman world that it's actually going to reshape a foundation of that Roman society. It will be a witness of love, of peace, of respect that displays the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while this teaching is hard for them at the time, God will open doors for the gospel to change the hearts and minds of that society. In this passage, we have a similar teaching from Paul. So we've got the household and then this passage we read today. And after it comes a similar teaching from Paul, this time on how slave ownership in their Roman society is completely turned on its head when someone becomes a Christian. A slave has run away from his owner, something that is deeply punishable, probably by death, Um, in the Roman world. But instead of punishing that slave, Paul instructs his owner and the rest of the fellowship to welcome back the slave as a brother in Christ. Again, God is absolutely transforming the hearts that would have been shaped by this Roman expectation and this hardness of heart towards people who are hierarchically below you. The exact same thing can be said for us in this day and age, in our context. How often does a situation feel too broken or too sinful, like the structures of our world are just against us? How often does a person or a group just seem too closed off to hearing about the gospel, hearing about the good news of Jesus, that nothing we could say No logic or emotion that we could use would convince them. Well, that is where prayer comes in. That is where prayer opens the doors to the gospel that you and I could never open alone. In Colossians, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, through this new humanity and relationship they have with him through prayer, God transforms their society, opens them up to gospel transformation. And the same can be said for absolutely all societies here on earth because that is the supernatural power of prayer. I don't say that lightly. Prayer is something that is outside our realm of being because no part of existence remains untouched by the loving and liberating Jesus. Colossians 4, 4 4-6, the ending of the reading today, further guides us. Pray that you may proclaim the gospel clearly. 
Pray that you may be wise in relationship with outsiders and that you may make the most of every opportunity. Pray that your words are full of grace and seasoned with the salt of the gospel. Finally, I'd like to share with you a really short verse from 2 Chronicles. And God is speaking to Solomon about his promises. It says in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their lands. This reading shows us that prayer is essential for revival. It is essential for renewal. It is essential for healing in our church, but also in our wider world. The other thing it shows us is that prayer is never a standalone activity. Prayer that moves hearts and that God listens to is accompanied by humility. It's accompanied by repentance of godly actions and passionately asking and seeking after God and God's will. And the final thing to notice, that this is communal. It's talking of my people, their wicked ways, their forgiveness, their land. These are not individual actions only. They are collective and communal prayers and actions. We are only alongsiders when we do it together in partnership. All this to say that in prayer we become empowered by the Holy Spirit to do both individually but more so collectively what we couldn't do alone. So in summary today, to be an alongsider, to be a person of prayer, prayer empowers us for mission. Prayer opens doors for the gospel and prayer empowers us by the Spirit. We are alongsiders when we follow Jesus' model of retreating to pray before stepping out in service and mission. Prayer changes hearts. It opens us to God and what God wants to say to us and to the world. That's why the Bible tells us to devote ourselves to prayer. It is a powerful practice. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. Prayer is a powerful supernatural practice. It has an immeasurable impact on our lives, on our church and our greater world. We pray in many ways. It doesn't mean going and sitting somewhere just in silence. We pray in song. We pray in word. We pray through our liturgy together. We pray through creative arts and through acts of justice and mercy. It creates a space for our joy, but also our lamenting and our weeping. It is deep listening and love and seeking of the Spirit. So I'd like us today to end in prayer, to come together as a community and pray to our loving God. Let's pray together.